make sure I turn off all my notifications even for people we don't know we don't know why those of you that don't know that you need to go back on our videos and you will see my wife text me in the middle of my sermon <laughs> yeah, I showed that to someone and they were they're like, I've never seen you speechless like that before. Um, so, best of friends, Rabbi, I'm a little ringing up here, Rabbi Schwartz and... I didn't do anything. Best friends, Rabbi Schwartz and Father O'Malley were at a dinner enjoying lunch. Father O'Malley put down his ham cheese, uh, ham and cheese sandwich and commented, Man, this sandwich is so good. The kosher dietary restrictions made sense in ancient times. But when are you going to join the modern age and eat delicious, wholesome food like this? Without missing a beat, Rabbi Schwartz replied, at your wedding. Let it process. Let it, let it process. All right, never mind. Some of you don't understand the whole rabbi and father thing there. We'll go past this. Second Kings chapter five. Gotta get to the I gotta I gotta tell my jokes to different people. More more I'll be very nice with my jokes. I'm at the pulpit here. Second Kings chapter five, verse one, and then we're gonna skip down. This uh this morning, um the name of it uh the, the title here is um is uh, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? And uh, God's been been dealing with me for a couple of weeks, but this week He really uh, hit me pretty hard with this. And then this morning, um, when I was praying and and I think the problem with, with us as Christians is we don't care enough. We don't care enough about even ourselves. We don't care enough. We want to cry. We want to complain. We want to moan and groan and woe is me, but we don't care enough to do what it takes to get what we need. 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, 
was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but was a leper. Now we're going to skip to verse 8. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and ye shall, you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to you myself, I said to myself, He shall surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abani and the Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage, and his servant came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now Naaman was a mighty man in his nation, well-known, very honored, and he was very rich and successful, very popular, but he was a leper. Now in the biblical times, in this sense, leprosy speaks of sin. Talks about sin here. You can have all the money, you can have all the power, you can have all the wealth that you want, but it's very little use to you in our lives if our lives are wrecked with sin. Doesn't do us any good. There's many things that are very similar with leprosy and sin. It's always hidden at first. It always spreads. It's always continuously spreading. It doesn't stay small. It's always spreading. It's always impossible to cure naturally. It always ends in death. It always drives us from the presence of the king. Naaman took large sums of money here. If you read it uh, in verse 2 and 3, he leaves because he hears that he can, uh, he hears of Elisha. So he takes large monies, and the king gives him large monies to go and get healed from Elisha. So he takes large monies and gifts to give him to be healed. But there's no amount of money or gifts or good works that could heal him. He needed a miracle from God. You can't buy your way a miracle. Now, we're to give tithes and offerings, but that doesn't get us into heaven. It doesn't get us a miracle. Back in the day, you could go to the church, and they'd say, you could buy your way into heaven. You could buy your family, whatever, out of purgatory. You could buy your healings. You know, you could do this. You could do that. But it doesn't work. It's not scriptural. You need a miracle from God. 
It doesn't matter what it is. When there's sin in our lives, we need a miracle from God. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't take money. It doesn't take all the riches and fame. It doesn't, works doesn't get us there. It is a miracle from God that we're seeking. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Doesn't, it's not works that gets us. I could offer you a recipe against sin, sickness, and disease today, but when you're hungry, you don't need a recipe. You need the food. You need the miracle. You need the real thing. You don't need just, uh, here's this, this, this. You need to get it, the real thing. You can't eat a recipe. You need power of God to set you free from this sickness, sin, oppression, and disease. This is what Jesus has done. He died in our place. He's taken our sickness from us. He's taken our chastisement. He's taken our iniquity. He's taken our sin, our leprosy. No matter what our miracle we need, no matter what it is that we need in our life, no matter what it is, he's taken it from us. He's made us whole again. Elisha told him what to do to be healed. Verse 10. He said, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Now, we all know that he went and jumped right in, right? <laughs> no. We as Christians are so obedient, we're willing to do whatever God tells us to do. Right? God says, go jump in the Jordan. We're like, sweet, I'm jumping in. No, we're just like him. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't think so. Not happening. He became furious, it says. Naaman in his pride said that he would not humble himself before the people and appear naked before them and expose his leprosy, expose his sin. How dare you ask me? Don't you know who I am? Sound familiar? We're not rich and famous. We're just us, and we still do that. I don't think so. I'm not going to the altar. People look at me, think something's wrong with me. We know something's wrong with you, people. It's small town. We know. Right? And if we don't know, shame on you, your pride. It's not about that. He didn't want others to know that he was a leper or unclean. John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from some things. All unrighteousness. How bad do you want this? You sick and tired of being sick and tired? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
How dare you ask me to go and show my problems to everyone? I have money. Then you tell me to go to the public restroom? <laughs> Basically, right? Isn't there a private one somewhere? Like for us rich people? Right? That's what he says. I'm paraphrasing, but that's why let's look at verse 11 and 12. Indeed, I said to myself, he gets upset here. He says, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Right here, he's ticked. He says, you don't even have the... You know who I am? You didn't even come out to me. You sent a servant to come tell me what to do. Don't you know who I am? A little arrogant here, isn't he? I knew for sure you would come out here and wave your hand, call upon God. And isn't that what he's saying? He says, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over. You can just see the pride in this dude. But are we looking in the mirror here? Verse 12. Are not the Abana and the Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them to be clean? So what he's saying is, isn't there a private restroom I can go to and hide? They're better like for the rich people, these are dirty. These are, this, this river's disgusting. A, it's public. Everybody goes there. It's gross. You know what they do in that river? These are clean. These are, these are for the rich people. Can I go to those? They're more secluded. Arrogance. I don't want to do what you want me to do, God. I want to do what I want to do. Again, sound familiar. I, I can do it. I, I know that's what God wants me to do, but I think I could, I could probably do it this way. Anybody ever talk to God that way? God says do something. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm alone. Um, um, but when I, when I've done it, you know, God told me to go this way and I'm like, I can get to that same place by going this way. That's what he says. I can still dip in a river. It's just a different river. It's cleaner. It's less public. You'll get there one day. I'm sure you'll, you'll do it. <laughs> but that's what he's saying. And then he turned and went away in rage. He's mad at God. Again. Sound familiar? <laughs> You're asking me to do what? <laughs> Anyone laugh at God? He was told to go to the public river, but he wanted to go to the cleaner ones. Do we care more about our pride, our sin, our friends, our reputation, our family, ourself, than we do about being obedient and receiving a miracle and getting our blessings from God? 
today accepting Jesus and all he has for you may be humbling. To do a very simple thing. For some of us, it's confessing that you're a sinner. But that's the best thing that you could ever do. Whether we're watching online, you're listening, or you're here. You can't do it a different way. There's no other way to get there except through him. There's no other path. He's the one to cleanse us. He's the one that can get rid of everything. We have to do it. What would have happened if other people would have been prideful in the Bible? Now, some of you may say, I'm a Christian already. I don't, you know, I've accepted him. But some of you, that's the only area in your life that you've been obedient. Other areas in our life were not. He was told to go dip seven times and be healed. Verse 13 says, Naaman's servant said, if it was a difficult thing, you would have done it. So why not a simple thing? I find that verse very interesting. In other words, just be obedient. How bad do you want it? If it was difficult, this is simple. He just, all he had to do was go in the water. Have you ever looked in your mind, be honest, you've been talking to someone and you know what they need to do to fix their problem. And you're going, what is wrong with you? And then someone else is looking at you going, what's wrong with you? Right? Ever been there? That's what we're doing. We're looking at him going, dude, all you had to do is go dip in the water seven times. And God is looking at you going, all I want you to do is get to the altar and want it. crazy sometimes people want hard and difficult we don't like it easy the things may seem silly or whatever it may bruise your ego but they're not hard they tend to tear down our pride there's a purpose to everything that God does Look at a couple things here in the Bible. In Joshua 6, they were told to march around the wall seven times. Not four times, not nine times, but seven times. I can just imagine, I'm doing no such thing. I have my Sunday go-to-meet-and-shoes on. 
I am not marching around these walls. My feet are sore. They're all looking at us. They're making fun of me. Why can't we just fight? I'm good at fighting. I don't want to just march around this wall. It's more respectful. Joshua done lost his mind. Let's start a smear campaign against Joshua and get him out. Some of y'all laughing because you see us saying this in churches. What about Luke 5? Jesus told Peter to throw the nets on the other side. What if Peter said, no, dude, I'm tired. I've already fished there. Do it yourself. People are laughing at me because I've already come in with nothing. They're going to laugh more. There's no way I'm making a fool out of myself. I just want to go home. I'm tired. I'll do it tomorrow. I promise, Jesus, I'll do it tomorrow. But what about 1 Kings 17, when Elisha told the woman to make him a cake? She tells him, there's only enough oil and flour for one cake for her and her son, and then she's going to die. They're going to starve. And he says, make the cake and give it to me, and you'll never run out of oil or flour. <laughs> that sounds, again, it sounds like sweet. But when you're in it, you're like, uh, no. She could have said, crazy man, just keep on walking. I'm just too old for your shenanigans. <laughs> I've heard that from older people before. <laughs> too old for your shenanigans, boy. I don't think so. If I'm going to die, it's going to be with the last cake, not giving it to you. Matthew 14. Jesus tells Peter to come. He could have said, nope. Uh, Jesus, you know I can't swim. Hey, guys, tie a rope around me first. Where's the life jackets? Well, let's put, let's put Matthew out there first and see if he sinks. We don't like him anyways. Now, just imagine all of these situations. If they wouldn't have been obedient like you and I, no, we wouldn't have been. It's easy to look at these situations and go, look at the miracles that happened because they were obedient. What if you were the one that was dependent on these situations? What would have happened? Would have you walked on the water? Because Jesus just said, come. That's it. Or he just said, throw the net on the other side. March around the wall seven times. Dip in the water seven times. Give me the last cake. Would you have got your blessing? Would you have received your miracle? Or would you still be whining and complaining because you got nothing? 
where would we be? If these people would not have been obedient, they would have missed the miracle, their healing, their blessing. Naaman did what Elisha told him to do, and he was healed. Are you willing to be exposed, embarrassed, dip into the nasty water in public? Are you willing to march around the walls when you're tired, embarrassed, ridiculed, and you see no point? You willing to do something for God because he tells you to? Willing to be fishers of men? Well, I don't know what to say. It's not my personality. I've already asked and they said no. Are you willing to get out of the boat just because Jesus says to? You don't know why. You don't know what the next step's going to be. You don't have a game plan. You don't have a safety net. I want to close with this. I heard this this week, and it fits perfect here. God is like a GPS system, and not like your car GPS system, but like the government, where they know exactly where you are at all times. When we follow the directions to get where we need to go, it goes great. When you miss the turn, you end up like we did in New York City. It said turn right. And we missed it. Now, he never gives up on us. He recalculates. He sticks with us but it took us five hours longer to get out of New York City than it should have. You can do it your way. God never leaves us nor forsakes us. He'll recalculate it, but you really need to go five hours longer in New York City, people. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. How bad do we want it? I was praying this morning. I want revival. I don't care if you do or not. I want revival in me. I want revival in my children. You realize we have to stand before God. And we have crowns. And the crowns are for souls. And then there's jewels on them for, for souls that you save. And we're going to throw it at his feet. I want to have something to throw at his feet. I want my crown to be so jam-packed that he's got to give me two and three and four and five and six. Do you have a crown right now?
that's a different topic but that's my prayer how bad do we want what we want from God how bad do we want what we need from God are you allowing your family to die and go to hell because you don't want to ask them to come to church because you're too prideful well what if they think I'm this oh no they may think you're a holy roller they think you're a lot of other things that's the worst thing they could think you are There's a lot of excuses that we come up with. His, his excuse was, you couldn't come down and talk to me? And we look at it as prideful. And right now, each of you are thinking of your excuse of why you're not sticking with what God told you to do. Every Sunday, this altar should be packed. I don't need to go to the altar to be saved. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But we do need to get on our knees. You look in the Bible. When they really wanted something from God, they're on their knees. They're crying out to him. And they don't stop. They even rip their clothes. They do what, don't rip your clothes, but I'm saying they do whatever it takes. They stay there. Well, I can do it from back here. No, you won't. You're too prideful to get out of your seat and come up here and get on your knees and get what you need from God. God, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Pick me. Choose me. You say, well, I don't need anything from him. Well, then he needs something from you. Because I promise you, you're not doing everything you're supposed to be doing for him. Let's bow our heads. This morning, you're watching, listening, or here. The first thing, Jesus died on the cross to cleanse us from all that sin. Take it all away. All we have to do is accept him. Ask him to forgive us of those sins and come into our lives. And if you haven't made that decision this morning, Online, you can just pray with us. But this morning, I want you to come forward. You're going to take a step of faith. You're going to step out and say, God, I'm stepping out. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to let Satan and my pride. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I care what you think. And I'm going to come forward, and, and I want you to come into my life. For everyone else. How bad do you want it? What do you need from God this morning? Do you have children that don't know him? 
Do you need a miracle from God? Do you have sin in your life? Do you need healing? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. Do you need revival in your life? Are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing for, for him? You're calling. How bad do you want it? Are you just going to play church? Are you happy playing church? I'm sick and tired of that. I want you to come forward this morning as we worship. The first song that we're singing this morning as we worship is the honest offering. Take all of me. I surrender all. Go ahead, Luke. As they're coming forward this morning. And I want you to sing it, whether you're on your knees or standing and worshiping. That's my cry to God this morning. God, take all of me. I surrender. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you this morning asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, Lord. Take away all my past. Wash it out. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. The rest of you come forward. How bad do you want it this morning?